0: Get in the action on the action Hello, ladies and gentlemen! Welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show if it's your first time. I'm your host, Scott Wiley, and you're listening to the Action Addicts Podcast. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about another Indian film. It's been a little while since we covered the previous one, which I'm pretty sure was RRR, and I have no doubt that if you're one of the people that enjoyed both our conversation on RRR and our talk on Master which is from the same director of this film, known as Lokesh, then this is a conversation that you're going to enjoy. Typically speaking, the episodes that I do from Indian cinema tend to get a lot of attention. The episode on RRR is our number one episode, and I don't see it being surpassed anytime soon. Master is also in the top five, and... uh, I'm very curious to see what happens with Vikram, because it is just, you know, it is such an amazing film. Spoilers for the conversation. I loved it. But it's not one that I saw a bunch of people talking about online, and that's actually something that we kind of discuss in the episodes you're about to hear. It didn't seem to get as much coverage or a response as some other releases, which is a shame, because having watched it, I'll be watching this again. And I, and I say this several, several points of the episode. Like, I'm I'm itchy to watch this again, you know? It's like, I I really enjoyed it. I put it on when Jade was asleep and I didn't really know what I was getting into because it was just one of those films that the last time Matt was on, you know, he'd mentioned it in our, our, our episode as one of the next films to look out for and he was 100% right. Mike Scott joins us today and he loves this film and he loves this director and he tells me some stuff that... Some of you might think I would know, but I'm very much a noob when it comes to Indian cinema. That hasn't really changed. Uh, It will be changing. We're going to watch a lot more of them. I won't be able to cover all of them, because otherwise that would just be the podcast probably for a bit. But I'm going to try and watch uh, more uh, away from the show so that I can kind of have a better base to build my knowledge from when we do do episodes on certain films, although if you're paying attention, you probably will be able to guess what the next Indian film is going to be, because it may or may not get recommended in this episode, and it's one I already wanted to watch anyway. I want to give a shout out to Mike for coming onto the show, as those of you who've been listening since day one will already know, Mike has been one of this show's biggest supporters since before the show existed. He was a big part of Getting the show into existence to begin with because he was helping me sort of decide if I want to do it, along with Matthew and a few other people. I don't want to just rattle off loads of names, but both of them have been great supporters of this show. So it's always nice when I can get Michael on. He's obviously doing big things over at Action for Everyone with Liam O'Donnell and Vice Victus, both also former guests of the show. But I always enjoy having Mike on because he is literally the first guest we ever had on. All the way back when we were talking about Spider-Man, No Way Home, and then we had him on for Hydra, and then I'm pretty sure the next one was Time and Tide. So this is his fourth appearance, unless I'm forgetting a film. And if I am, oops. (laughs) But it was really nice to have somebody on, other than Matthew Essary, to talk about Indian films, because it's just nice to have that variety, and I'm going to try and continue that. Whilst I've absolutely no doubt that Matt will be back to school me in the ways of the Indian action cinema we will also be continuing to vary it like we would any other type of film. And also, I've kind of realized that there are other countries that I've kind of been neglecting because, you know, we've covered a lot of American ones by default. Uh, Haven't really covered many British action films, though there are some on the horizon. But one that uh, hasn't gotten much love is Japan. So I'm really going to try and keep everything varied. That might not always be possible just because, you know, The whole point of this show is that you get a unique experience by the fact that I try and get different people on every week, even if, like in the case of Michael, they are recurring guests. I do try and keep the voices different, and as a result of which, the topics can vary greatly depending on the interests of the person that I have on. However, one thing to note, this is a fairly new film, obviously. Uh, It came out in 2022, and... It's going to get spoiled. So I'm saying right now, there will be spoilers ahead. And I don't just mean the obvious stuff that you can probably work out. I mean, Vikram is a film that actually has, I'd say a fair amount of mystery elements to it, in terms of you need to kind of, you don't need to, but the best way to enjoy this is, in my opinion, you're going to be trying to figure stuff out as you go. The first hour is a very much... uh, a different film to the rest of it which is something that you know i felt very similar about in master although in that it was more the first 40 minutes so i will say even though if you're not the sort of person that's bothered about spoilers that's fine you could still listen to us but if you are i would highly advise that you go and track this film down and watch it first because for me that's the best first impression mike isn't as bothered about spoilers as i am And this was my first time watch. This was a rewatch for him. So we were coming at this from two different places. But like I said, I am very excited to rewatch this with the knowledge that I now have. But I think I would have been disappointed if I had known some of the... Well, even some of the story, to be honest. Even if it's not necessarily spoilers. I do feel like a big part of the first time viewing experience kind of relies on you knowing as little as possible about what's happening. Because, yeah... When certain things hit it's great it's amazing and it will still be amazing even if you know they're coming but if you don't know they're coming it really is a fist bump and cheering moment so that's my two cents and that's my only warning with that said I'm going to throw you over to myself and Mike for a not two hour long conversation for the first time in I don't know how long so enjoy it while it lasts folks but here you go see you for the outro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here, we're live, and uh, it seems to be my phrase now. We're in the live room. Joining me this week, as I will have already said, and you'll have already seen, but I say it again anyway, is Mike Scott. And it's been a little while since you've been on the show, Mike. I think the last time you came on was for Time and Tide. How are you doing? I'm I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm cold, but otherwise I'm good. I'm actually not cold. I'm I'm quite warm, but I'm good. <laughs> But it's, it's snowing here. If it makes if it if it gives you any consolation, so it's pretty chilly here too. Oh, okay. We're, we're not lucky enough to get cold. We just get rain in higher quantities. Right. Right. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I think Time and Tide was the last one. So it's been, but probably almost a year. I feel like, uh, maybe not quite a year. No. Maybe. No. It hasn't. It hasn't been that long. Um. This this time last year, we were we were still talking about Hydra and oh, Spider Man. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So sometimes this sucks. It, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's been a few months, but uh, probably around the summer because then I had all my wonderful issues, so everybody's episodes got backed up. But um, yeah, man, people liked that Time and Tide episode. So if people listening haven't heard it, go forth and listen. It was it was it's so weird how sometimes episodes will sit there for a while and not do anything, and then suddenly people decide they like it, and then it just rockets up. And Time and Tide is one of those episodes. It's weird.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's finally you know more people got that Eureka disc and
0: and started watching it, and so
1: they yeah, want to listen to it.
0: But we're not here to talk about Hong Kong stuff this time. We're here to return to the wonderful world of Indian action cinema. And this is also the first time that I'm talking about that particular part of the world without Matt. So, Mike, you're the expert this time.
1: <laughs> I am far from an expert, but uh,
0: I, I'm not even close
1: to Matt. I'm not even the same. Not only am I not in the same league, I'm not even in the same sport as Matt. But, uh, but I can, I feel like I can hold my own. And I certainly feel like this is actually the film we're going to be talking about. This is my, one of my two favorite Indian directors. So I do feel like I can at least comfortably talk about this one because I love this director. I love his movies. So uh, I feel like I'll be okay. But as always, Whenever I talk about Indian cinema, if I misspeak, if I mispronounce a name, if I get anything wrong, I do apologize. I am a white guy from Utah, and I'm just doing my best.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, to be fair, I'm right there with you. um, I'm not very good with names, even when they're in English. My memory for names requires repetition before they sit in, so most of the time, if I don't know the actors, they become that guy and that guy, which is not very helpful in an audio podcast, so... We'll see how this goes. <laughs> but you have just said something that can uh, allow me to start this, which is that obviously you really enjoyed this film. And I'm pretty certain that at the end of my episode of RRR with Matt, Matt actually was talking about Vikram coming out and saying that this was probably going to be one of the next big films. Is that what you were like as well? Were you sat there eagerly anticipating this from the sounds? Yeah, of it? I,
1: I, I definitely was. I definitely was, and I was actually, I was actually the guy who's a little, I'm a little cold on RRR. Look, I, 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 it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a blast. But I, I, there's some things that have kept me at a distance from that movie and, and watching the all the excitement and stuff, which is good for the industry and good, good for you know exposing people to Indian movies. Has been a little weird uh, because, yeah, for me, I was actually always more excited for this one because, again, uh, Lokesh uh, Kenaraj or Kenagaraj, uh, he just basically goes by Lokesh. Lokesh is one of my favorite Indian directors. And so this one was one and and it ended up on my best of the year list higher, placing higher than RRR for me because I, I actually this this movie does more for me than what RRR did.
0: You know the funny thing is so I I need to give sort of my side of the story which is that I was eagerly anticipating a release of Vikram because Matt had said you know this is another big one and I'd also seen that Vijay Sethupathi is in it and obviously the episode that we did before RRR was on Master which I've only just this second tweet as you've said it same writer and uh, I'm guessing that that might lead into what you were saying a moment ago, because same director. <laughs> yep,
1: absolutely. And and I am, you know, uh, Matt's the one that Matt's the one that really helped me discover. And we'll talk about this a little bit, but but Lokesh's previous movie to Master was called Kathy, which is actually in the same. Vikram is kind of a, a stealth sequel to Kathy, which I'll talk about. And I love Kathy, and then uh, Matt's like, hey. Lokesh has this new movie out, Master, if I remember right, you like Kathy, And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. So I threw on Master and was like, god damn, like this guy just is awesome. And then Vikram just, I mean, it just solidified it. Like it just, it it just, I think he's one of the most exciting directors working in the
0: world right now. Yeah. So I think this is going to end with me having to track down Kaithi, Mana, Garam, and Yaviyo. And i've also just seen that he has Kathy v two in production correct he's actually got a he's got a couple in production
1: he's got he's got uh uh sixty seven which is the 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 working title of it that's the new one with v j uh v j the star of master uh that's his new mm-hmm. and k v 2s in production and vikram two is actually being developed as well so there's he's got he's got some stuff in the pipeline
0: oh that's that's good to hear, cause, uh this episode definitely ended at uh, this episode. This film definitely ends in a way that made me think that the sequel was already kind of planned.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, I guess as good a time as any to talk about it. So he's actually creating his own sort of shared universe uh, that starts with Kathy and then goes to Vikram and then Kathy two And Vikram two will be part of it where there's these characters crossing over. It's not like the MCU where, where it's going to be this whole big, thing but the idea here is, is that it feels like all these characters it's more akin to think like Stephen King books where like all these characters feel like they inhabit the same world and certain events set up certain other events but you don't necessarily like my wife watched when we re I rewatched Vikram this weekend my wife watched it with me she hadn't seen it she wasn't lost or anything even though she hadn't seen Katie like it operates perfectly as a standalone movie but if you've seen Katie there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of crossover in it. But it works more like kind of like a little bit of an Easter egg kind of thing than it is like a full blown narrative thing.
0: That's interesting. Cause obviously I didn't know that it was uh, uh shared some stuff with uh, Kathy. So I also watched it cold, assuming that it was a standalone film. And the funny thing was, is even though it's probably not the elements you're talking about, I was left with that sensation that it feels like I'm watching a sequel to another film which you know some standalone films just feel like that because they're so well written with their backstories that's not a complaint but to find out that there there sort of is another film that this connects to is is interesting so now i'm curious to watch it to see exactly what the crossover points are
1: and and weirdly there's kind of two movies that it connects to because you've also got the original i want to say it was 1986 the original vikram starring kamal hassan that he's playing the same character essentially, uh, and so there's like kind of two movies that it connects to, because all the all the flashback scenes are old scenes that they show of of a younger Vikram, which there's not many. That's footage from that original movie, or like when they're showing still shots of you know that's that's all from that original movie. So you've got this whole sort of weird thing, but that's what I think works great about it is it still does totally function as a standalone movie because there's there's it's it's a self-contained story taking place in a larger universe uh which i think is what makes it makes it a lot of fun
0: yeah uh i didn't know that uh i i think i did know now that you've said it i did know that there was another vikram but i just assumed that this was essentially a remake uh so i didn't really look much into it so if you hadn't have told me that i'd have never have guessed that those flashbacks and those photographs was from the previous Vikram film and that this is sort of a sequel. And that actually does kind of go hand in hand with what I was saying, that it feels like I got the impression that for the intended audience, the character of Vikram is kind of already known and you've just kind of basically gone, yeah, he is. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, and Kamal Hassan is just, a, he's a huge actor in, in Tamil cinema. So there's a lot of, you know, it, it's a, it's a lot of sort of, uh, let's just put it this way. There's, and I'm not saying this to be like pejorative, because I love this movie, there's a lot of Top Gun Maverick in this movie's DNA in terms of, of what they're trying to do and and how they're trying to, like, sort of comment on not just, uh, you know, make a kick-ass movie, but also sort of comment on Kamal Hassan's career and, and kind of some stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of similarities there to where, you know, Maverick, for the most part, is a sequel, but you could... I mean, I know a lot of people watch Maverick that haven't seen Top Gun and still manage to, you know, enjoy the movie just fine. So... um uh, it kind of functions that same way, in in my opinion.
0: All right, then. So, what was your initial impressions going in when you first watched it? I suspect that you obviously had a lot more information than me, so I think we might differ here. What was your gut impression when you watched it that first time? Did you see this in the cinema, actually? No, Did you have a well, cinema I, I saw it. I didn't go see it in the cinema.
1: I, I, I'm i at a point in my life where it's just... I. It's got to be a real... Sp- Something really special for me to go see a three hour movie in, in the cinema. But, uh, but no, I watched it when it hit streaming and, um, get, we got it very shortly after it, it was in cinema here uh, on Hulu, uh, cause Hulu's got a deal with Disney Star. So they get, they get quite a few Indian movies. Um, but, uh, I loved it. Uh, you know, the first hour, I still, I I love the the investigation part of the first hour, so I was already kind of hooked on that, even though I was like, wow, there's not really that much action going on in here, but that's okay. But then, you know, you get about an hour, hour and a half in, uh, and the action just pops off, and then really doesn't stop for the rest of the movie. Uh, So by the end of it, I I completely, I was completely hooked, Uh, you know, and it just had some of the same over-the-top stuff that I love in movies with, like, the characters being introduced with title cards and, and stuff like that. I just uh so yeah, I, I flipped for this one the first time I saw it, and then rewatching it only reconfirmed how much I love it. But it sounds like
0: you maybe had a little different reaction to it when you first saw it. Uh no, not entirely. Uh I watched it for the first time today. Um I'd already decided I wanted to do an episode on it before I'd seen it, basically, because When Matt and I were talking about doing Indian cinema, one of the things that we both were saying is that I'm going to keep doing this, obviously, without Matt and different guests, just like I do any other normal film. But I don't want to watch a film first and then decide to do an episode on it because I will fall into the trap of never actually watching the film. (laughs) So I'm committing to the episode first and then I have to watch the film. And I think when I... Because I'd heard from... Uh, somebody else they were like oh i think i saw a review actually when i was trying to find the film and they were like oh yeah it's it's really really slow like it's a slow burn and obviously at that point i hadn't looked into it properly to even realize it was the same person that made master which if i'd actually seen that i think i probably wouldn't have cared that it said it was a slow burn because you could describe master as a slow burn but it doesn't feel like a slow burn and i felt like that applies to vikram as well Yes, it is a slow burn. If you were to try and describe it mechanically, there isn't much that happens in that first hour, but there is there's there's tiny little things that do happen, and like you say, the investigative side of thing is great and I also love the fact that it starts with that random musical number about the eagle that feels like it has nothing to do with the rest of the film, and then at the end of the film, it comes back around. By which point, I'll wager that most Western audiences have forgotten that because that's like two and a half hours later but I remembered. (laughs) And, you know, it it has that dark, gritty aesthetic that I really liked because I'm not going to compare it to RRR, but because you brought it up earlier, they're so far apart in the type of tone that they're going for that I don't even think trying to compare them is just a complete waste of effort because this feels more like Master, which is why I liked Master in that it's, and I hate to use this word, it's surrounded by realism, but it still keeps its over-the-top nature, which I like. I like the way they balance that. It does make me laugh in places, for and I don't think it meant to, especially Matey's superpowered drugs that suddenly turned him into Captain America. That made me chuckle every time he did that. But if you've seen any of these types of films, you know to expect that. I just found it funny that of all of them, he needed drugs to get that effect. Everybody else could just do that as standard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, but I I do you know I I like that part too and, and you know and we'll talk about the cast but also you know just they got the perfect actor for that because Vijay poppy is he's just he's so gross in this movie so it like with his gold teeth and just his little sneer and his his sunglasses he's just he's a disgusting human being in this so it works when he like crunches those you know those uh, those drugs and gets turned into Captain America because you're just like oh this guy is just awful like you you're just so happy when he finally does get his ass kicked it just it, which is you know no spoiler i mean well it is a spoiler we're going to spoil the movie but obviously duh he gets his ass kicked right like so yeah. uh, he's
0: the bad yeah. guy <laughs> well it's funny too because when i first started watching it it didn't actually twig for me that it was the same character uh sorry same actor from master because he's plays the villain in both but they're completely different and i actually was really impressed with his acting not just his uh Actual acting as in his emotional acting, but his physical acting. The way this character holds himself and walks and the way he like droops his neck and, and puts his shoulders up. If you put him next to the character from Master, where he's also a gang leader in that one, but in that one, he is a wrecking ball of destruction that no one in on their right mind would stand in his way. I'll wager most people, myself included, would miss it's the same actor. Because like you say, he is so disgusting in this one those gold teeth the changes to his face they do such a good job of making him the obvious villain but it wouldn't work if he couldn't do it and it it goes to show that he has a lot of range that if you've only seen one film like i had you know you could have easily missed that
1: yeah no i i agree completely you know and it's such a a different like you said a different character because in master part of what makes master so good going back to your episode with Matt, is that we spend so much time with his character. You know, I mean, the movie Mm. opens up his story, right? Like, and so we're built up. He's this wrecking ball of destruction, but we've already got this sort of inherent sympathy, maybe not, but empathy. we, We care about him as a character, even though he's this awful gang leader. This one, we get introduced to him and he's just he's just a monster. He's just an absolute monster for minute one. And and so it, it just sets out that like, yeah, he, he's he got, he's just, he's just awful. And yeah, sure. Okay. They put in that he cares about his family, but it's like, no, nah, he's really just, he's really just uh, unhinged evil in this one. Um, And I, I like that. It's a much more over the top role for him, I think, but it, but it also works. Like you said, he pulls it off amazingly uh, because you got, Mall Hassan in this, you need somebody to go as big, uh, to to match up to him, and and Vijay does that.
0: It's funny too because you just mentioned his one redeeming, well, feature, I suppose, which is that he does care about his family, and they show you that in multiple different ways, which is actually kind of interesting because his character in Master, he doesn't like he's he's a far more well-rounded, intelligent individual in Master. But his flaw is that deep down, he doesn't care about anybody. He's convinced them that he does, but he'll drop them all at a dime of a hat if it suits his needs better. And in this one, it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting flip of his character. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So I will happily admit that I know nothing about Kamal Hassan. And I, this is the only film of his I've seen. So is there anything else that the audience and fools like me need to know about this guy that you would like to share?
1: You know, I have to be honest with you. I'm not super familiar with him either because he's he's an old school Tamil actor. You know, he, he was he was one of the big ones in the 80s and he's continued to work. Like I said, obviously, there's the original Vikram, which I haven't been able to track down yet. Um, but, you know, uh, no, the big thing is just he's just he's he's been working as an action actor for for years for going on 40 years now. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have, unfortunately, I have to plead ignorance. I don't have enough more background other than I know how important he is to Tamil cinema. And this is, cause this is honestly the only movie of his I've seen too. Um, But I can see why, you know, watching this movie, I can absolutely see why he's such a, such a high wattage star in that industry. Um, He's kind of, think of him as kind of, again, if I'm misspeaking, you know, somebody will correct me. He's kind of the the generation before the VJs in terms of of Tamil stars. Um, And so he's kind of like, you know, the guiding light for them to a certain extent, is my understanding of it. But again, I haven't watched, you know, this is one of the problems Matt and I talk about all the time. There's so much goddamn Indian cinema. You could, you could dedicate, you could watch nothing but Indian cinema in a year and still not watch everything that comes out between all the various industries that they have. Um, And so I'm always I feel like I'm when it comes to, you know, with the exception of of Tiger Shroff, I feel like I'm always playing catch up on on Indian cinema. You know, Tiger's the only Indian actor that I can say I've seen every one of his movies, but that's it. And honestly, he's only got like eight. So it wasn't that hard (laughs) to see everybody else. I always feel like I'm playing catch up. Uh, you know, there's that new uh the new Bollywood one that opened here in the US this weekend, Pathan, with uh mm. Khan and, and John directed by uh Siddhartha Anand that directed War. You know, Shurik Khan is maybe, you know, what not maybe, one of the biggest actors in the entire world. And uh I've seen like three of his movies and he's made like seventy. You know, you
0: just you can just never catch up. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've i i I don't think necessarily, and I I know not everybody's going to agree with me when I say this, but I don't think you need to have an in-depth history of everybody and everything that's come before something to enjoy it and talk about it. This is a trap I see people fall into, and I think you and I have talked about this previously, but if someone doesn't know something, there's no need to jump on them to be like, you're wrong, you don't know this, what are you talking about, this was clearly influenced by that. And, you know, we we did that a while ago on Twitter where everybody was like trying to prove that they had more film knowledge than everybody else. I remember like you and Matt, you both between you, I think, uh schooled a few people when you were going, well, yeah, you're talking about something that was based on this French movie, but that French movie was based on an Asian movie that came out decades beforehand. And it's like, yeah, how far back do you want to go with this? Because at the end of the day, we could still talk about how it made us feel and how much we enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was, oh boy, I lost I lost a lot of followers uh, on that one. We pissed, Matt and I pissed a lot of people off. That was when he wrote his John. <laughs> and everybody kept trying to say that John Wick movies were just ripping off John Woo. And our whole point was that, no, John Wick's doing something new. You know, John Wick's a perfect example of you don't need to know the entire history of everything. Because what they're doing in the John Wick films is brand new. It's never been done before. and And so... You know that was kind of our point, and people just kept wanting, yeah, to talk to us about John Wu. And it's like, come on, man! Like, like cinema didn't start in 1986 when A Better Tomorrow came out. Like, there's, but that's the thing. That's my point. Uh, you know, because that also got me a lot of people calling me a gatekeeper and stuff, which, you know. My point is just like watch what you want, like that's fine. Like it clearly, yes, I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert of any sort on Indian cinema. I like what I like. I watch what I like. I could probably say I'm kind of a ty- like not an expert, but like I'm certainly well versed in Tiger Shroff, and that's it. And everybody hates Tiger Shroff, so like my favorite Indian actor is the guy that everybody hates. So what the fuck do I know, you know? Like, <laughs> and enjoy what I enjoy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely agree, and. I just think that people take everything way too seriously and that there's no margin for error. I, I had a similar conversation. I do remember that article and I and I agreed with you guys. I think I did say that to a few people I was like, just shut up. But the podcast that you guested on, well, the episode came out recently. I don't know when you recorded it, but the We Love Dad Movies podcast, you know, there has been a number of things that I've listen to him, because I've gone back and listened to Ewan's other episodes, not all of them, I don't have that much free time, but I've listened to quite a few because I've genuinely enjoyed them, and I feel like if he was to put some of the stuff he said on those episodes as, like, Twitter threads, he would get obliterated by most of film Twitter, and it sucks, and I feel the same way too sometimes, where it's like, like uh, you guys have often said to some of our friends, like, the moment you pass that 1000 follower count be prepared because the mobs are going to come for you now
1: yeah yeah you know i that's actually the one invention that happened before elon showed up the one invention that twitter has that i uh, absolutely love is the circle because now i can i can post those things and talk to my friends without having to worry about uh you know just randos showing up but yeah no um that's you know but you probably used to that because
0: i mean i'm sure he got a lot of that when he was a lot culture i mean i'm sure oh, you know, 100%. I, I, I... <laughs> yeah. so yeah as far as vic Graham goes i obviously enjoyed it as i said and it was uh it was it was one of those things where i was surprised at what they did with some of the characters and where they went and one of the things that i really liked because i'm not going to try and go through this Scene by scene, uh, because the damn film is too long for that. So, if anyone wants to do that, just go and watch the film yourself. <laughs> but I, I noticed it in Master. I noticed it in RRR, and I noticed it in. Uh, there's a, uh, I've I've seen. I've watched a couple of other Indian films, and I'm blanking on their names because they weren't. Uh, they weren't the easiest to remember. Let's put it that way. And the one thing that I've noticed a lot about their cinema, which I find so, so interesting, is. You don't have to be typecast because of the way you look. And, you know, this film, you've got an aging actor as the lead, which I know is quite normal in Indian cinema. But in the bad guys team, you've got a guy that is quite small and you've got guys that don't look like they could do a lot of damage, but they pick up a machete. They're as dangerous as anyone else. You've got all of the OG agents that were in hiding that i loved that twist as they were slowly revealed with my absolute favorite and also saddest moment of the film being agent tina the nanny that looked after them and when she was revealed to be an agent and then all of that i was on board for up until the moment where she died but i can't think of many western films where the old lady that looks after your kid is going to be revealed to be a badass and actually is one you know
1: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That that is something that I think is is fascinating about Indian cinema. That a lot, that just almost no other industry. You can say that 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 Japan and China do it a little bit, but but only with their superstars. You know, yeah, Samuel Hung is still showing up in movies and, and, and kicking ass in his seventies. But like, only their superstars get afforded that. You know, uh, India is a little is a little different. They don't quite have that same sort of age discrimination. I mean, they they do in the regards of. Uh, Indian actresses basically age out and then they can come back and play older roles like Agent Tina. But at least, you know, yeah, they hook her up in this movie. I mean, she is just terrific. And that fight scene is, in a movie stacked with fight scenes, that's one of the best. Uh, and it's it's just so, the reveal of that is just so terrific. And then, like you said, that builds as they, you know, all these all these people that we've met throughout the movie, all of a sudden we find out that, they are they are agents. They're part of Vikram's team, and and I, I just I thought that was so clever, and it just
0: it made that whole third act such a such a joy to watch. I I, I agree with you. I think she has one of the best fight scenes in the whole film, and I think part of that for me is because it's one of the only fight sequences where they're not superhuman. You know, she has to kill them with blades. She. You know, she puts a couple people through windows and they put her through a window, but it's not like she kicks her and they fly 20 feet in the other direction, as will happen later with uh, Vikram. And I think because they made that decision to not have her fight be over the top, that's why it stands out, because it's very tightly choreographed, very well executed, but it doesn't have all of the exaggerated wire work that all of Vikram's fights do, except for when he's wearing a mask. Because I did find that really weird, that when they were all masked, suddenly they were like master kung fu people. But the second the mask came off, it was back to just throwing punches.
1: (laughs) You know, some of that again is, you know, Kamal Hassan's in, I believe, his 60s. And so it's not like this guy can actually do, you know, uh, real kung fu, which is why, you know, they jack it up. That hero cinema thing jacks it up uh, to where to where the. Can, can do this stuff but yeah no after Tina's fight you know you'll never look at forks the same way again like <laughs> the damage she does forks is just insane to me
0: i uh, i love that i mean all kitchenware especially if it's metal is dangerous and it it's it kind of reminds me of that um cuz i know you'll have seen it and hopefully everybody listening will have seen it but it kind of reminds me of that uh, that scene in an early episode of martial law with samo where that American cop is taking the piss out of, oh, you can make anything a weapon. And he's like, well, I know a stapler can be a weapon. And then, you know, Samo basically just beats him up with whatever random stuff he has on his desk. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of the reality. I know a lot of films tend to downplay how much things hurt, but in reality, just getting bonked on the head by something heavy is enough to take most people down. So forks, no thanks. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Can't agree more. So the other thing that I, I it's funny because the similar thing happened in Master. So I am curious if a similar thing happens in um, this director's other films. But we start the film from the point of view and then he dies, which confused me to no end. So then I was convinced that the film was about, like you say, the investigation and that he was going to be in the film in essentially flashback forms and sort of inside Amar's head. And then we get introduced to Amar who is essentially the main character for the next hour and a half. <laughs> so is that something that you would say is is traditional with this director? Because they kind of do the same thing in Master, as you said earlier, where the film starts off from the villain's point of view, and it, it takes like a good half an hour before you actually meet the hero.
1: Yeah, yeah, actually. So in Kathy, uh, one of the crossovers is, is uh, Bijoy, who's part of Vikram's team in this. Uh, he's the second lead in Kathy, playing the same character. the The drug, the end of Kathy is the drug bust that kicks off the plot of this movie, that starts oh. everything. Oh, so, bust that they're talking about and all of that. That is what Kathy is about. Um, and so bJ is is our ostensible main character. Uh, and we're with him for probably about thirty to forty minutes before we really get our true main character who is Dilly, who is mentioned in this movie, the the very last scene when they go to or not the very last scene, but when they go to that village and they're talking to the little girl and they're saying, Why don't your dad come out? That's Dilly. So that's our our hero from Katie. Uh and so basically I I see I wondered what all that was about. Yeah, it's a very similar thing that he does. He likes to start with the the viewpoint of characters that aren't actually going to be our hero, because what that allows them to do is sort of mythologize our heroes. And then by the time they actually get revealed, you know, then you get that, that true, proper Indian hero cinema entrance. Uh, because that's like, that's what happens in Kathy Because when I first watched Kathy, I was a little bit like, okay, well, this is, this is pretty good. But the, you know, the whole I kind of idea is these drug dealers who do up here in Vikram too, uh, they, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but the, the main plot is that, that BJ has to, uh, essentially go on his own, uh, driving this bus, uh, with this prisoner in it who turns out to be Dilly, and he ends up having to work with Dilly. And, and so you're almost, I think, an hour in before you get Dilly's first fight scene. And just like in this one, it's just, it's, he just lays waste to everybody, you know, and it just builds up so well. That's really one of of Lokesh's, I think, signatures, but I think it's also one of his strengths. See, you know, Indian cinema just, they know how to introduce their heroes. But I think he almost takes it to an even greater, almost more ridiculous level, but it works because he so meticulously plans out how he wants to introduce these people. You know, like I said, the whole procedural aspect of the first part, I love, I love, I love Amar slowly, you know, everybody telling him that, that uh, at the time he was he was uh, uh, Karnan, uh, you know that Karnan is this drunk and he's he's you know seeing prostitutes and a womanizer and all this sort of stuff. And then as Amar starts putting it all together, you start getting the flashbacks more of seeing what Karnan was actually doing with all this stuff. Um, you know, it, it it really does. But I I'm with you. The first time I watched it, him getting killed at the start kind of threw me for a loop but then it it took about a half an hour and i was like oh he's not dead okay i see what's going on here but uh so i really do love that procedural aspect because it so meticulously builds up the character of vikram so that we finally meet not karnan but we finally meet vikram we're like holy shit (laughs) it's fucking on now this dude's about to go off
0: Yes, I I agree with you. I had worked out that he wasn't dead before they revealed it, but I must admit, they did a very clever thing by having, like, his leg be there, because that kind of stopped my brain from going, well, he's obviously just faked his death. It's like, well, no, they have a body part, so... And, you know, they they didn't really have enough time to swap them out, even though, obviously, you find out, oh, yes, they kind of did. But the fact that they were so committed to making you think that he died is just perfect and what you were saying about how they introduced their heroes i completely agree said the same thing in both previous uh, episodes but i do feel like some of that is because they have three hours to play with and it, it makes a massive difference it's the same as like um i can tell you exactly the moment where i was genuinely uh upset that the gram or his other name that we knew him by at that point when he had died. And that was when we get the flashback from the 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 nanny character because you have that wonderful song and he's holding his grandson and he's just, you know, his whole life revolves around just looking after his grandson. Obviously at that point you still don't know all the rest of the stuff. But that that really like got to me for other reasons. And it was just sort of like, okay, this 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 better be going somewhere. Cause at the moment you're just making me very emotional. There has, there better be some payoff. And wow, was there some payoff? Like by the time you get there, that scene feels like I watched that a week ago.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's, that's the one reason that, that I actually, a lot of Indian movies, I don't mind that they're three hours long because a lot of them cram four or five different movies into that three hours. Whereas you look at some, some other movies, uh, You know, whether you like him or not, but but some like, say, for instance, one that I didn't like, but I know everybody else did the Batman that just felt turgid to me. It, it felt like stretched out because it never changed tone. It never changed genre. It never changed point of view from characters or anything, really. You know, it was just three hours with the same monotonous vibe for me whereas Vikram is it's like three movies in one basically you know you get the the opening procedural and the middle kung fu and then the final full blown full blown like gunplay shootout you know rambo spectacular ending and so for me it's like i almost a good indian movie will never bore me over the 3 hours because i just feel like there's always something if you don't like what you're watching, wait five minutes and 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 there's a chance you'll like what you're watching next and and in the hands of a real master like Lokesh, all of that stuff fits together so seamlessly that, like you said, you know you're watching this terrible heartbreaking scene, and then when it comes back, you're like it feels like a week ago, but it also still is relevant because it still informs this character, it still informs why we're doing everything that we're doing here. Uh, because yeah, it's all about his grandson. You know, that's, that's, that's everything he lives for. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, but that's actually kind of one of the things I love about Indian cinema. Uh, I,
0: I agree with you. I love the fact that they do have that time. You know, I haven't watched as many as a lot of people. And I know definitely a lot of people listening because the Indian film episodes are always popular. So I'm very curious to see what happens with this one, but. I like the fact that they never feel rushed, which, yes, three hours long, I'd like to think they wouldn't, but it doesn't, you know, I I had to pause it at one point to get up and make a drink, and when I paused it, and I've still got an hour and 50 to go, and I'm sat there going, instead of looking at that and going, oh, okay, that's war, it's like, yes, I've still got an hour and 50 to go, you know, it's a completely different experience than Like you say, it wasn't the Batman for me, but there was... I can't remember what it was now because I just erased stuff I don't like from my brain. But I watched a long film recently and we paused it and I was like, oh my God, there's still an hour to go. Like, really? How much more can you drag this out? And I've never felt that way on any of these Indian films. And that says a lot about their ability to tell a story. You know, ignoring everything else, they just nail storytelling for me. Now, I will say if you're
1: watching a bad one, there is nothing worse. A, a bad indian film that is three hours long is uh a borderline unwatchable i mean i almost never turn movies off i have turned off more indian movies than i can count because i'm not gonna spend three hours if you know and they make they make so many movies you know we we here in the west we tend the 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 cream of the crop tends to rise to the top right so you, yeah you see seeing the Ar-ars and the vikrams and the pathans and, and stuff like that but they make a lot of really bad ones and, uh, and they're, they're typically cheap and they're still three hours long. And so, you know, there is there is that that balance, you know, as we're singing the praises of this movie and the good ones do understand that, like, if you're like me and I, I haven't seen hundreds, but, you know, I've seen my fair share and I've certainly seen my fair share of bad ones. That's that's the flip side to this having three hours and having a proper master director know how to use that three hours in the best way.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I think you said it on one of our older episodes that we did, maybe when we were talking about Hydra, but like, if you don't like an old Hong Kong film, there's probably not much of the film left, so you might as well just finish it and enjoy what will probably be the action spectacle at the end, even if it's bad. Whereas, yeah, if you've got to sit through three hours and you're, I can definitely understand that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: there's just there's just there's just times I'm I'm either going to turn it off or I'm going to fast forward through it just to see if it gets better. And, and there have been a couple. I can't remember one off the top of my head, but I know there's been a couple that I actually did fast forward through and it got better. And I actually kind of went back and, you know, picked up where I was going to leave off and rewatched it. But uh, it still didn't get good enough necessarily for me to care. But uh, yeah, no, I, I can't remember the name of the one. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it stars the guy that was in The Man Who Feels No Pain, which is one of my favorite Indian films, Uh, stunt choreography, fight choreography by Eric Jacobus, as a matter of fact. Um, And uh, his this new film, it was unwatchable. It was it was just it was one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. So, you know, there's there's always that. That's the game we play when we're getting into, uh, you know, sort of a cinema that we're not super familiar with. It's a lot of just throwing darts and hoping something sticks.
0: Sorry, I've just, uh, I've just made a note to track to find, uh, the man who feels no pain. And from the looks of it, it's on Netflix here. So that, that will be going on the list.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really good.
0: I mean, aside from the fact that I would trust your recommendation anyway, Eric Jacobus, that's all you needed to say. And I'll watch it. <laughs>
1: The fights are absolutely Eric Jacoba's fights. I mean, they they they're just absolutely Eric Jacoba's fights. So yeah, yeah, you'll like it. I, I I assure you, you'll like it.
0: I'm I'm right in saying that there's a uh, uh, there's a few out there that have Vlad Rinberg as the choreographer as well, right?
1: Correct, correct. He actually did the choreography on. Um, they did a remake of uh, Warrior with you know the uh, the Gavin O'Connor Warrior with uh, with Tom. And they did a remake of that called Brothers that uh, that Vlad did the choreography on. Um, Vlad's been over there a lot. Kazuy uh, Patrick Tang does a lot of choreography over there. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely people that that uh, that, you know, make their way over there because a lot of these movies are starting to figure out that they they do want to bring in. My point is that, that 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 Indian cinema is starting to figure out that, like. Uh, they need, you know, some of these Western stunt teams that are, or, or Asian stunt teams are worth bringing in for some of these movies because, uh, I, I think, uh, like some of the car chases, like Remy Julianne's team has done some car chases for him and stuff like that. Like it's definitely becoming a more global industry. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's very cool.
0: I think as well, because, You might correct me here, but my understanding is, especially with the bigger productions, they actually have the money, the finances, and the power, without being weird, to make the things that need to happen in order to get the best end result happen. Whereas in a lot of Western productions, the types of films that all the people that we've just said are going to work in, that probably doesn't apply to, even if they are a big production, because that's just not the way that world works. Whereas... Over where they're shooting these films, and those companies can literally just be like, this is what's happening, it's going to happen. So, of course, if you hire someone like Eric, you're going to be able to just say to him, tell us what you need, and that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, Eric, actually, in his, uh, his uh, episode that he did of The Art of Action with Scott Adkins, he talks about that was filming a scene and they had to rearrange the set completely and he just couldn't believe that like they had these resources and and they take the time to film them too. I mean these are these are movies that they they have long shooting schedules. Well the biggest ones do. They have long shooting schedules and and so it's very much that idea of yeah, you can take a month to film a fight scene if you need to now. You know, and it's actually funny, we just recorded you know, it'll be out today, the day we're recording. We we actually just recorded with Kenji Tanagaki and he was talking about that. Because Flashpoint, the final fight in that, they spent two months uh, shooting that. The final fight in Raging Fire, I think he said they did in five days or eight days. And, and so he just said, even in China now, you don't get the time. You don't get that time that you used to get. India feels like the one last industry where you sort of can get that time to do those elaborate fight scenes and action scenes.
0: Yeah, it was actually his interview on the art of action that I was thinking of when I was saying it. I just couldn't remember if that's where it was. But that is interesting to hear that uh, China is now becoming just as bad. And it does make me wonder if it's purely down to cost, because China has become a more expensive place to shoot and the world is you know, constantly in upheaval with economics at the moment. But I do wonder if India enjoys the freedom it has with shooting just because it doesn't cost millions to shoot somewhere for them. And will that change as their industry becomes more popular, or have they just got it nailed down because they've spent so many years trying to get all these different industries uh, into the state that they're now in, that they have kind of set it up better from the ground up, because the West has had its industry going back decades, and the Chinese industry, well, they had a good industry, and then it kind of burned to the ground, and then they built it back up again, but that's a the less said on that, the better.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, and I, again, I don't know enough. I know I know Bollywood at least has been around for as long as Hollywood's been around, frankly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, you know, I think part of it is also China's just decided it's the same thing as the U.S., right? They, they, you know, if you watch something like Wandering Earth, uh, they're shifting towards more CGI spectacle, and I just don't think there's as much interest in uh, sort of action or hand-to-hand combat or fight scenes, and so they, they just don't allocate the resources that they that they that they want to for something like that you know that they used to um kenji also talks about that i don't want to just rehash the whole episode but that ruini kenshin they were caught up against the clock they had no time to film ruini kenshin um and so you know it's just i think it's just the nature of the beast as these global blockbusters are becoming what matters whether it's the mcu or wandering earth or you know something uh something like even rrr you know these these massive blockbusters as they take hold i think it just cuts resources for other movies
0: yeah it is, it is funny uh i was actually thinking about doing uh the rurouni kenshi episodes fairly soon and then i saw you guys we had kenji and i'm like wow it's like we're in sync <laughs> Absolutely.
1: No. And you definitely should because we didn't, you know, we didn't get to spend that much time on them. So, you know, I think, I think there's more to talk about with those movies. So you definitely should do some of those episodes.
0: Um, Oh, I, 100% am. I mean, there's what five movies, I think six maybe in total. Five. Yeah. So, yeah. If you, if you're free, you'll definitely be on for at least one of them. (laughs) I'd love to. But uh, back in the, 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 the land of India. Where did we get to? What were we even talking about? What, how did you find the, um, not so much the, the, the action, but the, the sort of set design and the way that they incorporated that? Because that was something I noticed in this that I didn't see as much in Master. It felt like, I don't actually know, because it did come up with the name, but I'm not familiar with the person that did the fights in this film, but it seemed like they really liked incorporating the, scenery into the fights in an almost Jackie Chan-ish way but in a more uh, darker tone. It wasn't like they played it for laughs, they played it serious and it felt like almost every other scene someone was picking up a chair or someone was throwing stuff and there was a it felt like a little bit of parkour in a couple places I thought that was kind of interesting
1: Yeah, no, I love that but that's actually, you know, and I might upset people with this but going back to what we talked about earlier, that's that john wick influence i think and i and i mean that in the best possible way because there's there's you know so many of the fights in john wick and you know i mean there's literally a scene where vikram picks up a laptop sticks it in a guy's mouth and bashes it in and, and maybe i'm missing something but to me that feels like an 8711 special like i feel like before those guys i never really saw that in movies the way that they do it now but i'm not saying that they're you know again people listening, they're not ripping off john wick this is how this all works, right? One person elevates action and the rest of the action world looks at that and goes, holy shit, that's badass. How do we incorporate that into what we do and make it our own? And that's what Vikram does because I love, yes, I love all the environmental destruction, the environmental damage, the way they do use the environment for stuff, um, you know, especially like a lot of the, the just the way, that That Tina fight is the biggest one with that, right they, you know they're they're everybody in that fight is is putting their hands on everything they can in that room to try and kill one another uh because it's a brawl essentially it's a well choreographed brawl, but it's a brawl um and it's kind of the same sort of you know I like the uh the start of the shootout at the end when Vikram's going down the hallway and all these guns have been stashed everywhere and he's he's pulling him out as he's shooting everybody and stuff. Yeah, no, I, 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 think the fight scenes in this, the, the actual hand to hand fight scenes in this are truly terrific. I love the heightened Indian style of stuff, but I think the, the shootouts and the fight scenes in this are truly terrific. I mean, really top tier, top notch stuff, uh, world, worldwide. Just like I said, I think I put this at number four on my best action movies of the year last year so like i mean this is this is to me this is just absolutely top tier top notch action action design action choreography everything about it and of course it's indian so it's shot in a way that it's all pretty crystal clear and easy to follow uh but i just i yeah i thought the style worked really
0: nicely in this you, you did bring up a good point as well because again my limited indian film experience Most of the ones I've seen have focused more on hand to hand combat. And whilst I have seen some that do have a little bit of guns utilized within them, this is probably the most gun work I've actually seen from an Indian hero. And I love the way that they kind of build up to it. It's like he's almost reluctant to use guns. But then once he decides that it's time to use guns, it's very cathartic. He pulls out those dual revolvers and everyone goes down in one shot, which is something that. Yes, you could almost say it was influenced by John Wick. I don't know, it's another film that springs to mind but the fact that he is able to bang dead is something that I hate so much with The Burning Passion when films don't get that. It's like, you get shot, you die. The, the, you know, Don't overcomplicate it and the fact that they do allow him to just demonstrate that he could easily take out a whole room full of people with hand-to-hand but He's got two revolvers. Why would he? And that scene that comes right after the Tina fight where he's gone up to his grandson's bedroom and then he has to fight the people that show up. A, that's a great fight. And, you know, he smashes people's heads on tables. They do a lot of environmental stuff. He's telling them to be quiet. And it's like almost like a silent fight. And then the last guy falls off the balcony. I was in stitches because he just, you know, he's so afraid of him. He literally basically commits suicide. And that just got me that was great, but then the fact that he has to go back into a house that now has more armed people in because he has to warm up a bottle of baby's milk, that had me in stitches because I can't think of a single other film that I've seen that before i I wasn't sat there going, Oh, this is kind of like this film. I was sat there going, "Yeah, I'm watching an Indian film <laughs> like yeah, I agree. I agree. I love that. But
1: one of the other things I love that's kind of a little subtly done, and I didn't really pick up on it until the, the, my rewatch, is during the whole first part of the movie, when they're in the masks and they're killing the people that they're killing, um, any of the henchmen that come at them, they're all shooting the weapons out of their hands. They're, they're not killing anybody but their primary target. Like, that's the entire thing is, is no casualties except their primary target. And then when they take Vikram's grandson, it's like, okay, this is now war, right? I tried to do this cleanly. I tried to do this in a way that nobody extra had to die. Uh, But now you've come after my grandson. And so, yeah, that is exactly it. That's he pulls the guns out and, and then he just starts killing everybody. But I think that's really interesting that, that, that it is. And it's not made super obvious. It's, it's kind of just sort of subtly done. You might even miss it the first time, like I did, that they're shooting the weapons out of people's hands for the whole first half of the movie. They're literally killing nobody except the corrupt cops that they're that they're, you know, that are their targets. Um, and yeah, and then it's only when shit goes bad that that they start, you know, it goes full blown bloodbath, uh. I d I don't know that I had a point with that. It's just something I noticed this time that I thought was really interesting. It's like you said, he's almost trying to avoid killing people, and then he's pushed to the point where he has no other choice. And it's one of those that's why I love it when he finally, the end, he finally breaks out that giant fifty caliber handgun, and you get the thick round behind him. It's like, You guys called down the fucking devil upon yourselves, and you're getting everything you fucking deserve. That's 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 all there is to this.
0: No, you you actually highlighted two of my well, one of my favourite scenes, and another scene that I just found so hilarious, I actually made a note of it, because that I noticed that they were shooting the guns out of their hands when all of them are in one place. But it's just, the setup on paper sounds so silly, because you've got Amar's Black Ops team trying to find the Mass men's team. You've got the Mass men team that he's now realised are hunting corrupt cops and officials. You've got the corrupt cops and officials trying to talk to the gangsters to try and find the stash that the mass men know where they are. And you've got the actual gangsters meeting the corrupt official. And I love the fact that the gangsters get ambushed by the mass men, which exposes the corrupt cop, which the gangsters are supposed to protect. And then they get ambushed by the Black Ops squad. <laughs> it's like, it felt like if this isn't the like metaphorical representation of a Mexican standoff, I don't know what is because there's so much in that one tiny little room happening that it's very easy to miss. And yeah, like you say, they shoot the, the guns out of the, and the knives out of the, uh, the criminal's hands. And I remember sort of thinking, oh, that's interesting because if they were the, the monsters that they've been portrayed to be up until that point, they'd have just murdered everyone. In fact, it would have made their lives easier if they'd done that. And, uh, like you say, he literally tells him go and investigate, but no more casualties. And they do, like you say. I'm I'm really excited to rewatch this because I think that whole first hour is going to be completely different, knowing the twists that are coming. Because I feel like the gym leader and the uh, the other guy that turned out to be the communications person. I think that when you know that they're going to twist, and, and you might confirm this for me in a second, like you read their scenes completely differently because they're trying to push Amar to figuring this stuff out. They're giving those subtle hints, which also does lead to another scene that I really like, which is the scene with the prostitute, which was just hilarious. I laughed all the way through all of those sequences, but I, I just love the way that they they've given you so much to enjoy on a rewatch. You know what I mean?
1: I 100% agree. I This is, this is a movie that does not suffer from having its twists uh, spoiled in any way. In fact, it actually makes them Almost more delightful, uh, because of that. You can just sit back and watch the craft with which Lokesh lays out. I mean, literally, when you rewatch it, Scott, you're gonna be like, "Oh, I, I'm amazed." It took me as long as it did to figure out that that Carnan is still alive and that he's Vikram, you know, because he gives you everything you need to know, but you don't realize it until you have the context of of rewatching it. Uh, but he so masterfully lays out all these clues that, that, that the buildup never feels like it comes from out of nowhere. It just it, it so builds up and you're so seeing everything here. Um, yeah, it's I, I think it would be hard for me to say I liked it more on rewatch because I already loved the movie. But I I, I think it's it 100 percent holds up on rewatch and it was a different vibe for me rewatching it. It definitely has a different vibe in, in a good way. I, I want to go back and rewatch Kathy and it back to back, although that'll take an entire damn day. Uh, <laughs> but I want to watch it back to back because I think I'll get even more out of it, you know, watching them that close together and, and kind of picking everything and seeing all these threads that I know that I'm for sure have have missed uh, already. So, yeah, I, um, I definitely I think you should rewatch it.
0: Oh, I, I'm going to. Slightly off topic, but I actually had this thought the other day where I've watched so many films for this podcast, and I've watched a lot of new films, and I was sort of sat there the other day feeling guilty about the fact that I didn't want to watch a new film, I just wanted to rewatch a couple of ones that I've already seen, and it, 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 it occurred to me, the films that a lot of us really identify with and enjoy is usually followed by the phrase, I've seen them dozens of times, and we don't do that anymore. Like I've noticed, this is a big thing with a lot of people uh, that I follow and that listen to this show. Is there's so much media now to try and consume and to keep up with? The idea of rewatching something has almost become a sin because nobody wants to be like, "Oh yeah, I rewatched this film for the third or fourth time." When your friends are going, "Oh, I've just watched the brand new film that came out today," and it's like, "Well, I don't want to watch that. I want to actually sit down and rewatch." I can't even remember what it was now. That's how bad it is whatever it was, and I was like, no, I really enjoyed that. I just want to rewatch that, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially like you said, if you have a podcast, or you write about movies, or that, it's like, you know, most of my movies now that I watch, yeah, are pretty much for podcasts, to be honest with you. I, I rarely get to watch just a movie just because, just because I have to keep up on stuff for action for everyone, you know? And then, I I, I haven't been doing as many guest spots lately, but, you know, back a year ago or eight months ago when I felt like I was doing four guest spots a month on stuff, it was like all I was watching was, was movies for podcasts. And so yeah, rewatching something becomes really difficult because at least for me, you know, my letterbox watch list is 300 movies long. My Netflix queue has however many movies in it, you know? And so when I rewatch something, I always there's a little bit of guilt because I'm like, well, this is an opportunity I could be watching a new movie. The problem with that kind of thinking is, you know, if it's a movie that I love enough that I want to rewatch it, I can almost guarantee you whatever the new movie is that I could be watching will not be as good as the movie that I wanted to rewatch. And and so it's this sort of little catch 22 where it's like, I feel like watching Speed, but I need to watch this action movie. So when I watch it, I'm like, well, I'd have been better watching fucking Speed, you know? (laughs) And so it's like, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a it's a hard thing to balance um, because yeah, Indian movies, for example, are a perfect example of that. I rarely rewatch them. I've I've watched War, you know, five or six times, and I've watched the the original Boggy five or six times. But those are the only ones that I've really rewatched a ton. Um, and so it's just it is tough. Um,
0: but yeah, I, I, I I'm with you. I feel what you're saying. I uh I I will I will annoy you now and say that the only Indian film I've rewatched is Triple R, and uh, that's because I've watched it with different people every time and I've spread the good word because I I enjoy that film, but I I genuinely want to rewatch Master, but I think that as much as we I did praise, yes I love the fact that these films are three hours long, that does inherently make them bloody difficult to rewatch, especially if like you've just said to me this is connected to this film, or there's going to be a shared universe, and like you said, well, I would love to sit down and watch them all, but that's literally an entire day or a week just taken up with these films then. So, you know, it does have its pluses and its negatives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that it doesn't annoy me that you've watched watched rr Everybody loves RRR. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the, I, have, I have some political issues with it. That's the biggest thing that I have with it, that I, I feel like people aren't willing to engage in. That's all. That's The movie itself is spectacular and terrific, and um you know it's i mean trust me i loved it when i was watching it it was only after it was over that i started thinking about a little bit of stuff that kind of made me give me an eye twitch um but uh but yeah no i um, yeah it it makes it tough you know we're all short on time we all never have enough time so yeah it sucks
0: but yeah the uh uh, before we start talking about rewatches the the one of my favorite moments in the film which you nicely set me up for with the whole he builds up to not wanting to kill and then he does kill is before that happens and it is also a film i have a slight uh sorry it's also a moment in the film i have a slight issue with but for the most part that speech he gives in the sort of safe room he has to his men and they say you know oh this is about revenge and he gets really irritable because it's not about revenge If it was about revenge, I could have gone and killed the gangster straight away. Yeah, I could kill him anytime I want. That's not what this is about. And I love the fact that he has this big speech about how, yes, what he's doing maybe isn't necessarily quote unquote right, but his end goal is to kind of free people from the streets being littered with drugs. And that's what his son died for and it would be great if he could let his grandson grow up in a world where he doesn't have to worry about the fact that there's people dealing drugs on the street corners, people dying of overdose, and because of the money that's generated, that essentially these streets are run by the gangs. And the only way he's going to achieve that is to clean up the corruption, which you could argue is revenge, and that a hundred other movies have had a similar plot point, but I think that the way he makes a point of saying that this isn't about revenge, this isn't about emotions, this is about actually trying to give everyone a chance to have a clean slate and start over. And it's it's a battle of ideologies, it's not just about revenge. Don't get me wrong, there's totally a bit of him that's doing this for revenge, which he indulges later, but that's not what he's been doing up until that point. That's why, as you said, it was so clean-cut and why he didn't want extra casualties and bodies he just wanted to take out his targets my only issue with that scene is that as good as it is while he's having a conversation with the lads Tina's getting killed <laughs> like stop your yammering and go and help her
1: yeah yeah no i don't disagree with you you know and also it, it did i had a couple issues with that scene i agree with you i think it's great cuz i always read it like it's sort of he's trying to finish the job that his son didn't get to finish because his son was murdered. So it's less about revenge for his son, but it's about we're going to finish the job. Um, But it's so heavy handed that I couldn't help but feel like the Indian censor board had its hand in that, which is something that happens in a lot of Indian movies. Uh, But also, yes, the idea that Tina's getting fucking killed. There's another bit, another quibble that I have with the movie later in the same vibe, which is, uh when his grandson needs cpr and it takes them like 15 goddamn minutes to get the grand I'm like that kid is fucking dead that kid's yep. dead come on you know and i just chalk both of those up to sort of the wibbly wobbly tiny whiny ways narratively indian films kind of mess with time they they do that quite a bit where it seems like narratively stuff is happening at the same time but that's not necessarily true um they they kind of stretch and and you know smush and do stuff like that but but yeah, the whole that scene with Tina getting killed like that because he's yammering on and then the the, the baby needing CPR for 15 minutes uh, were two that just the CPR thing was driving. My wife was driving Kelsey nuts. She loved the movie, but it was just she's like, this is just driving me nuts. Like uh, stop, you know, it, and that was the one thing I thought if you were editing, it, if you're going to try and make it seem like it's not taking 15 minutes for this to happen, don't keep going back to the kid. Like, just, just let Vikram, and we can assume that these, you know, things are sort of happening simultaneously, but if you keep cutting back to the kid, it's like, well, this is all happening in real time now, and yeah, that kid's, that kid's blue, he's dead, he <laughs> he ain't coming back, but, eh, whatever, you know, he, he's got the heart of Vikram, so he, he can't be killed.
0: It's funny, too, because, A, I was right there with you with the CPR scene, but also... Amar suddenly turned into the freaking flash and managed to get from where he just finished reviving to walking straight into the fight scene at a completely different point in like thirty seconds. And I sort of, I even paused it and I was like, "Did I just miss something?" What? <laughs> and like you said, time does not exist here.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's 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 you get to stuff like that, and you just have to remember the old TV tropes. It's entirely rule of cool, right? It's just it's just doing what looks cool and doing what's going to give you the most sort of maximalist maximum emotional impact, because as ridiculous it is that Amar walks in with that kid, the fact that he does. And then Vikram gets his second wind and just starts beating the shit out of VJ, Like you you kind of forget about that stuff a little bit. You're just like, yeah, this is how it's going to go. This is what it's going to be. We're just going to do this. So.
0: Yes, as soon as he walks in and you can hear the baby crying, you knew exactly what was about to happen. You knew Vikram was going to suddenly get back up with and just go to town. And, you know, every single person watching it is going to cheer him on because it's what you want to happen. You want that paternal instinct to kick in and go, you're not done yet, you got a job to do, and now you're going to finish it.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And also... Um... I, I could not get enough. I, I, I guess I don't want to change topics really quick, but I could not get enough of the theme song. this. every time I heard the drum, I just like, I would fist pump, man. The music in this is so good. I, I love the score, which is not something that is always true with Indian movies. And the songs are great for people listening. There's actually only one proper musical number in it. There the, Everything mm. else is kind of and backing action scenes. But, uh, it still feels like a musical because there's so much music, but the music in this is so fist-pumping good. Like, I, I, I need to track down and buy the soundtrack for this because I, I fucking loved it.
0: Well, it's funny because I was going to bring up the, the music as well because, I, I mean, I know I already mentioned the song that plays when, he's, when you're seeing the montage of him looking after his grandson, which I really liked, but also I kept waiting for the moment that the dance number was going to hit because obviously my two my two main comparisons would be RRR and Master, which is the same director. And Master had quite a few big dance sequences after the story kicks off, and they don't come in Vikram, which I liked because it made more sense with the type of story and tone they were telling. But I wouldn't exactly say that Master is a lighthearted affair. It's quite dark when it gets going. So the fact that in this one, it was mostly left to montages or it was cleverly put into the background to the point that you you really have to sort of be aware of it and it just kind of blends in with the scene and to me i i realize that it's not typically speaking the way that indian cinema does things but it worked for me i i did love the uh, the opening song and dance number like you say that one that is in the film i really did like that and i was expecting more of them but I didn't miss them when they didn't come because I really liked what they did with it instead.
1: Yeah, this is one thing that I feel like Indian action cinema in particular is starting to figure out that, that sometimes the stories work better if you don't. Know. I, I Look, I love the song and dance numbers in Indian cinema. That's one of my favorite things about it. Uh, but there are some stories that they don't necessarily need. Um they don't need to have them. This feels like a movie that it would have been weird, I think to stop everything for a musical. There's a couple of places where I feel like they could have naturally fit one. Like when Amar proposes to his wife, that could have easily been a a musical number, um, you know, and and a couple of other places, but for the most part, no, I think the movie flows better without them. Uh, It's kind of the same thing with, with the war did. Uh, There's really only, there's like two musical numbers in that. And they come at natural points because if you've got Rithik Rosan and Tyler Shroff in a movie, you gotta have at least one or two musical numbers in it. But for the most part, it is a straightforward action movie. And, uh, and, and I think that was the right choice to make here because I still think the songs are incredible. And so that's why it kind of works for me is because there's still these incredible songs. Only instead of backing dance scenes, they're backing martial arts fights, you know? And so you're still kind of getting that mix of music and rhythm that you love so much about Indian cinema, it's just done in a different way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I wish the same as you, the the Vikram theme, because it is really more of a theme when that, when that hits. It's not like a full song that they ever play. But I just, every time it hit, you're just sort of right there, especially the first time it plays when he takes off his mask and then he gets on the phone and then it plays. It's like, because you hear it right at the very beginning. And then it go, and then, you know, the character gets killed in inverted commas and then it doesn't play. And then when he comes back and it's like, now you have the weight to understand why this matters. And he's literally just pointing at all of the bad guys that are afraid of him and going, come on then. And, you know, you can't you can't beat that moment. Uh, I mean, I I don't say this very often, but I kind of wish I had seen this in the cinema because I would have love to have seen the audience reaction to some of these moments because i can just tell they were put there to get that pop there there is so many
1: pop scenes in this and 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 i and again but it it is i i mean like i said i'm not sure that i would consider it a slow burn because i think the whole opening the whole first act is still really exciting but there are so many like just pop moments in this uh, of stuff that uh Yeah. And and that's that's again, you know, Master was the same way. This is what Lokesh specializes in. He does these gritty sort of grounded crime movies. But then also still has such a sublime understanding of how to do Indian hero cinema that you get gritty, dark, gritty, dark, gritty, dark, thick rum. And it's such a it's such a like cathartic release when it happens that you just it hits so much harder than like a glossier, you know, sort of fancier Indian movie often does because you do go through the shit. And so you're just like, oh, God damn. Yeah, I'm I'm like ready to like fucking run through my wall in my living room right now. You know, and it's I'm with you. I like I said, I don't just don't go to the movies anymore. But seeing this in a crowded theater uh, with people who are on the wavelength of Indian cinema, I think would have just been unreal. Like it would have been such a riotous, great time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely meant with, with the, the audience that would appreciate it. But, um, I guess then the, the, the kind of the one of the last things we should uh, talk about in more detail is that, is the final sequence of events, like you say. I can't think of the last time I saw an action film that ends with someone dragging out a cannon uh, and firing cannonballs at uh, at vehicles with automatic weaponry. That um that's gonna stick with me for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I loved I loved that whole setup for
1: the most part because you know he he has um Udupati you know has to acquire all these guns for him, but it's very clear as Vikram's going down that hallway and pulling all these guns out. All that he can get is like old uh, or it's not Udupati; It's the other guy. It's Lawrence that all he can get are really old guns. So, you know, Vikram's doing this cool scene where he's just John Lewis scene where he's walking down this hallway pulling hidden guns. But they're all like single action, like Colt Army Wild West guns and, and like a Winchester, you know, an old like pump Winchester and stuff because they can't get these. They can't get new guns. And so, yeah, then he comes in and there's the 50 Cal there that's not working and the fucking cannon and oh my yeah that cannon scene is just absolutely amazing the way it hits and then you just see bodies like flying everywhere and stuff like it it's it's so incredible um you know and then they couple that with then when he has to pull the 50 cal out he he, you know trying to break the handle off so it'll go fully automatic because he can only do one shot and it just my god i mean i just i mean i'm in heaven for the for the whole last part of this movie i am just in heaven this is this is inject this straight into my veins whatever this feeling that i'm feeling watching the end of vikram i want to feel it for the rest of my life
0: no i'm i'm right there with you i mean i really want to know what what that cannon is fucking made of and what they put in it because jesus christ those cannonballs did more damage than if they'd air it you know it was so i loved it don't get me wrong i wasn't complaining i was I was sat there trying to not to make too much noise because I was like, yes. And then when he, when he does finally like rip the handle off that 50 cal, it's so funny because you said it without any prompt from me, but my brain immediately went to Rambo and clearly yours did too, because yeah, that heavy caliber machine gun fire just ripping through things. That, that scene lives rent free in my head from Rambo. And I think this might be the only time. That I can actually safely say that it now has a contender for best fifty cal machine gun scene. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I I absolutely agree. I, I they're 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 both one and two in my heart right now because I'm with you. That that Rambo scene just lives. I remember seeing because I did see that Rambo movie in the theater, and I remember yeah, just that whole. You know the guys using the fifty cal, all the all all the you know everybody's pinned down, and you just see Rambo pop up behind him like he's fucking Jason Voorhees, cut the guys off and, and cut the guy's head off and take the can and take the gun, and I was just like, oh my god! And yeah, I mean, Vikram, it's a very different style. Obviously, uh, Rambo's much bloodier and nastier, but it it's the same. It is the same feeling. You're just like when because they do it, you know, in slow motion. He's he's got the whole chain and he's pull it and then it cuts to the handle and it's slow motion it breaks off and pops up and you're just like oh my god and then yeah he just comes around and oh god i can't even people stop listening you need to watch this movie if you haven't watched it yet you need to watch this movie this is such a great fucking
0: movie i i I agree i mean the other thing that surprised me is They're very, very different scenes and I'm very much looking forward to one day talking about that Rambo scene. But yes, the the main reason why I remember it is because he just does disintegrate people and they show how destructive that gun should be. But in this scene, they do something that if you told me this was how it was going to be on paper, I would probably have been put off watching it, which is that the bullets are done in like CGI to show you where they're firing with those orange trails. and yet. I loved it. That actually worked for me because you could see the destruction that it was causing in a different way, but it still felt like it was completely ripping through everything, even though you're not seeing a man literally just fall apart into lumps, which, yeah, I would have been surprised if it did that. But the fact that they both work is just like uh, the, the filmmaking is so good. I love it.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's what I love. Again, going back to singing the praises of Lokesh, that's what I love about this is because, yes, it's all CGI. The bullets are CGI, but he ties the whole scene visually together because you've got the flames of all the cars, the bullets are CGI, but also, you know, the the barrel of of the 50 cal is heating up and turning this really bright CGI orange. You know, so it, it, it ties that up. And then you get the, that's when the title, the Vikram title card happens. And so you get all those CGI flames behind him and Vic. So the whole thing ties together, I think, in this really aesthetically interesting and visually interesting way that makes it work much better than your typical like CGI bullets that you see in movies. Like yeah. he actually, the CGI, the, the inherent weakness of CGI bullets, he turns into a strength. By making it this, I mean that 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 shot of Vikram firing this overheating cannon with the Vikram behind him. I mean that 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 shit should be on like one perfect shot on Twitter, right? Like that is a perfect cinematic shot. That is print that shit, frame it, put it on your wall. That is as good as movies will ever look. So you know that's but Rambo, directed by Sylvester Stallone. Word has it he's a pretty good director. This directed <laughs> by Low. Has it? pretty good director right so you've got two very good directors doing this and two very good directors in complete control of their craft um and so that's how you get two scenes that are so different but yet so similar and both of them are
0: equally amazing i think it perfectly sums up as well that if you have somebody that is given the creative freedom and control to actually oversee all areas of production And get the final image that they want on screen. Stuff that sounds like it shouldn't work can work. And I feel like Stallone and Lokesh, they both had that with these films. Well, Lokesh probably had it with most of his films, but I know Stallone didn't always have it with all of his films. But a lot of Western made films, especially, and even some of, even some Eastern made films, they are subject to somebody else doing the editing uh maybe the effects people don't have enough time maybe uh, insert problem here but i think with both of the those sequences they work because stallone was the only person in charge of rambo because you know it was when he was kind of having his comeback and lokesh is the master of his craft and he's got this small but very powerful body of work to prove it no one's going to tell him no yet because everything he's done has worked
1: Yep, exactly. He's he's just constantly building up, you know, cachet and and cred, and and you know, each one of his movies has had a bigger budget than the than the last one, and uh, and he, it just feels like it just feels like he's getting stronger and stronger. And I, I, I really have no idea how far he could possibly climb because I, I just feel like every movie he's done has been better than the last. So I, it, yeah, it's, but but it's just he's. He's such an interesting filmmaker to me. Um, that, the, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I already said he's one of my favorite working, you know, living <laughs> director. Uh, you know, he he's very similar to me in the way, same way that I love John Hyams, where I just feel like they're such uniquely singular visions. They 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 know what they want to make, and and with Hyams, he's unfortunately forced to constantly work in low budgets, but there's no question when you watch a John Hyams movie, it's a John Hyams movie. He, he, he imprints himself on every film that he makes. And so far, Lokesh is the same way. Like, I just feel like he's got a style and a look and a vibe that I don't see from a ton of other, based on my meager experience, I don't see from a ton of other Indian directors, which is why he just, he's rocketed to the top of the list for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that, matt made a really good decision because he sent me a list of films that were like good starts in indian cinema and master was on the list and something about it appealed to me and after speaking with you about vikram i think it's just the style that lokesh does works for me and you know as time goes on maybe i'll find other people that that same thing will apply to but i think whatever it is that lokesh does i like and it really is simple as that. You don't need to know the complete history of every other filmmaker to go. I like this. This makes me feel good.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know very little about Tamil cinema. You know, I, I'm much more well-versed. This is what I always tell people when they ask me stuff. I'm much more well-versed in Bollywood. Um, I, I, Tamil and Telugu, I am very, very, is novice, uh, but, you know, like kind of like I feel like a lot of people did with RRR where they they saw SS Rajamuli and they said, yeah, OK, I like this. And so they went back and they didn't necessarily watch other Indian movies, but they did go back and watch Bali or Iga, you know, and that's kind of how I feel. That's for me. That's how I feel with Lokesh. Like you just said, I saw Kathy, I'm like, I like this guy. And then I saw Master and I'm like, I really like this guy. And then I saw Vikram and I went, fuck it. I love this guy. You know, and I don't need to watch every other Tamil movie made to know. I fucking love Lokesh. Like, I love Lokesh. And that's, that's good enough for me. You know, I don't have all the time in the world. So the fact that I have one director out of, out of Tamil cinema whose movies are must watches for me, that, that makes me pretty happy. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. So before we wrap up then, was there any part of this film that didn't work for you? Cause we have kind of sung this film's praises, but was there anything in particular that didn't work for you or you just weren't vibing with?
1: I told you, I told you the, the, the you know, the CPR baby thing. That's the one that really, really hurt me. Um, I, Indian cinema does have, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but they have a real tendency to fridge women. And so Amar's wife getting her head cut off didn't really, I didn't love that. I was expecting it the first time I saw it. Like I was expecting it to come because that's just a, a thing that happens. I feel like with an unfortunate frequency in uh, in the Indian movies that I've seen, at least. That part didn't really work for me. Um, but other than that, the
0: the rest of it worked like Gamebusters for me. How about you? Well, funnily enough, um, the CPR thing I kind of let go because I, I, I hated it having actually been in environments where CPR needs to be admitted, and I understand the realities of CPR and my brain you know, I was actually impressed at the effects that were used to give CPR to the child because I'm assuming it was prosthetic and like a doll of some description, but considering some of the ones I've seen, it actually looked pretty decent and, you know, no one wants to go into the realities of CPR and what they do to your ribcage. So, I, you know, I kind of just ignore all of that anyway. But Amar's wife was a completely other topic that I, I very much was saving to the end because... Her entire character was pointless. And like you said, until you sort of said that they, you've seen this in other films, you have kind of answered my thought process because she only gives one thing to the entire script. And I actually did make a note that I liked that she did. And that is the fact that she's the one that puts the idea in Amar's head that this guy is leaving clues for you because someone would investigate his death, and that's what sparks Amar onto the journey that he does eventually go on. But other than that, and and it could have been anybody else that said that to him, it didn't have to be her, they write her in such a way that it's like they wanted to give Amar something other than he's a man that does nothing but his work. But they didn't actually want to have to deal with what a human being would go through being with somebody that will not talk about his work or what he does when he's not with them. And so they created what in my mind is a completely fictional character that would just be okay with all of it and just go with it. Because I'm willing to bet that that person doesn't exist. And the fact that he missed his own goddamn wedding because of his work and then she was just okay with that. She was just like, no, I get it. You You don't have to explain yourself to me. Sorry, that was just a bridge too far for me. If someone misses their own wedding, I don't think many people would just be like, "I'll I'll see you at home," you know. Yeah, no, I
1: mean, I I agree completely with everything you said. I I, I think, you know, there's some some ways it's sort of set up, like BJ tells him, you know, if you do this job, you're gonna you're gonna know loss and your feet are gonna sweat like mine, and so that callback after Amar finds her and he's walking and his feet are sweating and stuff, I thought that was nicely well done, but. She's such a nothing of a character, like you said, completely unrealistic. And this is no shade on the actress. I thought she did uh, she did a as good of a performance given the nothing burger of a character that she was given. She's literally there just to get her head cut off. Uh, and my immediate thought was you could have accomplished all of this by having DJ, I'm drawing a blank on his character's name, but the bad guys wipe out a Mars team, right? Have them kill all of a Mars team. And, yeah. and that's because. They- His family, that's what he lives for. You do the lethal weapon two thing and the team gets wiped out. And that to me would have made more sense. It would have been less Uki and it still would have been motivation for Amar to join Vikram's team because now he needs to get revenge for all his friends that got killed. I think that's, ai don't want to rewrite the movie. I think that's a stronger, that's a stronger plot point if they do it that way. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I will say I don't think I don't think Lokesh is terrific at female characters. That's the one knock on him I kind of have, at least in his... I haven't seen his first two movies, but at least in the three I've seen, I don't think he's terrific at female characters. Oh, I don't even remember if there are any in Katie other than the little girl. Um, but having watched enough Indian movies, I'm just used to it. It's just it's, it's kind of a thing that I just accept, even though I don't, I don't particularly like it. But I, I agree with everything you said completely. And it is something, if people are watching it, it's something to be aware of. If fridging, uh, female characters really bothers you, be warned content warning. Know that going in because yeah, it's, it, it, it's not great. I I didn't love that part. So I'm with you. That's the one part that doesn't work really.
0: No, I, I will say I agree with you that I did like the callback. The, you know, the fact that he didn't understand or didn't want to understand, you know, I, I, cause I really didn't like the fact that Amar called him an emotional, uh, prick. Because I was like, he lost his wife and his kid. I would love to see what happens if you experience that. And of course, the second I had that thought, I went, oh, yeah, you're going to experience that because that's literally what you're being set up for here. But I will say, and like you said, um, it's got nothing on the actress because the actress, and I'm pretty sure I've got the right person. She's uh called Gayathri. And I actually liked the character. But I don't think I did. I think I liked the actress. The actress had, I think, a personality and a chemistry that shined through the nothing character she was given. And I think that that is the only reason why I cared that she died. I think, you know, on paper, I don't really care that she died. But the fact as well, that the manipulative people that they are, her death comes right after Tina's death. And I did really care about Tina dying because of how she went out like a hero. And then it cuts to Amar finding, you know, his wife's uh, body. And I I really didn't like that. I mean, emotionally it worked, but I really didn't like that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And that is my only negative. And if that's my only negative in a three hour long film, I can put up with that for all the good that the film does. So I think if you haven't seen the film, what are you doing? Why are you listening to us? You mad people. But if you haven't seen the film and it doesn't bother you, then, yeah, that is the only thing that I think you might, Not like, but otherwise this is a, this is a five out of five for me or a 10 out of 10.
1: Yeah. It's a five out of five for me too. I agree. It's, 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 you know, that, that's a, that's a hiccup. But again, like I said, that's an occupational hazard with, with a lot of Indian cinema. And so it's still a five out of five for me. I think this thing is just absolutely spectacular. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. And I can't, like I said, I can't wait to see what, what Lokesh gives us next. I'm just, he's, he's now on my automatic
0: watch director's list. So, if people and somehow don't follow you already, where can they go to follow you, Mike?
1: Twitter and Letterbox at Hibachi Justice. You can also find A4E Podcast at uh, on Twitter at A4E Pod. And you can also find us at Linktree slash A4E Podcast. Uh, we have get some other social medias that i haven't been updating like hive and mastodon and all that because i just i haven't been doing as much social media lately but you can listen to the podcast anywhere podcasts can be found so please check us out like i said yesterday we recorded with kenji tanagaki uh and so you know that'll be out probably well before scott's able to turn this episode around so you know go back and make sure to listen to that um yeah that's where you can find us
0: all right well thank you very much for joining us mike i appreciate you taking the time
1: Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. I was, was, Thank you for giving me the excuse to rewatch the movie and also a chance to, to talk about it. Because this is one I haven't really... I didn't talk about it much online and I haven't really gotten to talk with anybody about it. So this was a blast. Thanks, buddy.
0: No worries, dude. It's a it's my intention to dive more into Indian cinema. So I'm sure there will be further opportunities for those interested. <laughs> but with that said, guys, that's going to be it for now. So I'm going to throw it back over to myself of the future. Because Mike is quite right, this won't probably come out for a few weeks. So, see you then, guys. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, you have made it. You're at the end of the show. Well done. But no, seriously, thank you once again to Mike for coming on to the show. It's always a blast to have him on. And as you heard, we both loved Vikram. I don't really think there's anything else I could add that we haven't really said already and that you haven't listened to already. But seriously... Go watch this film if you haven't, and if you have, tell everybody else to go and watch it. I don't know what the situation with this film is like in America, but annoyingly it is not easy to find in the UK. So, fingers crossed that changes in the future, because if you are listening to this in the UK, I am sorry to say that you're not going to have an easy journey to find it, but... Much like the truth, it is out there, and I'm sure you internet-savvy people will be able to locate it. But with that said, what is coming next? Well, if you listened to last week's episode on The Expendables with bead, then I did a very rare thing and actually told you what was coming next with a plural. But if you didn't listen to that one or you didn't stick to the end, let me tell you, it's going to be the return of Andy Gorham to talk about a Scott Adkins classic known as The Accident Man based on a comic book in the UK from Toxic by the creator of Judge Dredd, or one of them, Pat Mills. It is one of my personal favourite films that Scott's ever done, and I'm very excited to put this episode out there, because naturally, not too long ago, there was a sequel, which we will eventually get to as well, but I do love the first film, and I was really excited to talk about it with Andy. We do unfortunately end up spending a little bit more Then I wanted comparing it to its sequel, which uh, we, we tried to avoid, but it is there. There's no way to get around it. There is now a sequel and everybody went mad for the sequel. And I may or may not have opinions on that. So if you want to hear what those are and what we thought of the original, stay tuned because that is the next episode. It may be next Monday. It may be Thursday. You'll have to stick around to find out. But either way, guys, that's going to be it for me for this one. I hope you're taking very good care of yourselves. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Remember, if uh, if you are able, please feel free to leave a rating, a comment, a review, whatever. Whatever your podcasting host or app of choice allows you to do, please feel free to do those things. Because it really does help us out. But that's going to be it from me, guys, and I will see you in the next one. On the Action Addicts